Edu and Arsenal are said to be lining up Mikel Arteta's replacement. What a load of nonsense. This is the wildest story that I've read all season. And on this edition of the podcast, we're going to be breaking it down and we're going to be pulling it apart as well as taking some of your questions and some of your thoughts from the chat box. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And on this edition, we are going to be discussing this crazy, wild report that has been doing the rounds over the last sort of 12 hours or so with regards to Brazil boss. And I had to Google how to pronounce his name because I know it's not as it's written. Uh, so I wanted to look this up. And apparently you can either call him uh, where is it? Hold on. There we go. You can either call him Titi or Chichi. Uh, I'm not sure which one I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Tite, which is how it's spelt and how I would say it, although I know that that's wrong, but I just I can't get my head around that pronunciation. Uh, my Portuguese is not very, very good. His real name, uh, of course, is. Where is it? Adenor Leonardo Baki. That's his real name. So that uh, should we call him Adenor? Should we call him Leonardo? Should we call him Baki? Should we call him Tite, Chichi, Titi? I don't know. Anyway, the current Brazil boss is said to be uh, a target of Edu's to replace Mikel Arteta after the Qatar World Cup. This is a wild, wild story. I wasn't even planning on recording another episode uh, today. I've got to be honest, I wasn't planning on sitting back down in front of the camera, uh, getting on here and doing this. I was planning on chilling out, enjoying my Friday night, relaxing, resting up ahead of the last weekend before it all goes batshit crazy again in the Premier League. But this story has really irritated me, really frustrated me, really wound me up because I'm seeing a lot of people giving it the kind of, I'm not going to say airtime because that's exactly what I'm doing. But given it kind of credence, there are people who, um, for some reason, have kind of been sucked into this story and think that it might actually be true. So on this episode, I want to break down the multiple reasons why this cannot be and isn't true at all. And we're going to talk about why this uh, would be a complete contradiction of what we believe the Cronkies to be doing at the football club at this moment in time. So we're going to get into all of that. We're going to go through all of that. We're also going to take some of your questions and some of your thoughts on the matter from the live chat box as well. If you wouldn't mind, before we uh, jump into the story, please do hit the like button. Make sure that you're subscribed to the channel as well. Okay, so why can't this be true? Actually, before we go into why this can't be true, this is really bad of me. Let's start again. And, and talk about what exactly has been said and where this story has come from. So this has come from Eric Faria of TV Globo. It's a Brazilian outlet. Um, and, and his quote is, there is already a negotiation for Tite to work in English football. He then goes on to say, to work at Arsenal. He's worked with Edu before. The intentions are there. And the negotiations have started. That's according to Eric Farrier of TV Globo. Now, hold on a minute. 
when he says this and, and he says that Tite's in, in negotiations and he's talking and, you know, he's trying to get his way into Arsenal Football Club, do we know that it's as a manager? Just trying to think outside the box as to where this might have come from. Could he be coming to Arsenal as a director of football? Could he be coming to Arsenal in some other capacity? Could that be what the negotiations are around? Could he be coming in a consultancy role, the way that Ralph Ragnick is expected to consult for uh, Manchester United going forward beyond the rest of this season? That's the only thing I can think of that would kind of indicate there to be some semblance of truth to this, because otherwise it sounds absolutely wild. Um, and it seems to me, and I'm, I've am i said it at the top of the show, it feels like the wildest story of the season. First of all, Mikel Arteta is doing a cracking job at Arsenal. OK, we've been debating this for the last two years and for a long, long time, I've had people telling me that I'm all over the place, um, that, you know, I'm an idiot for backing him, that I'm supporting the wrong horse, that I'm you know, I'm just being biased. I'm just being, uh, you know, positive towards the club in the hope that I'll get a job, all this rubbish that I keep getting thrown at me. No, I, I genuinely have for a while now understood what it is that Arsenal are trying to achieve. It's taken some time for it to really shine through. But I think you can see that we're on the right trajectory, that we're moving in the right direction. I don't think there's any question about that at this moment in time. So Arsenal wouldn't be looking for another manager unless they've had an indication that Mikel Arteta does not want to remain. Now, I don't believe for a second that Mikel Arteta has declined a new contract offer. I mean, yes, as I say, he's done a good job and I think he's brought a lot of positives to the club and I think he's done a really good, solid job of moving out dead wood and changing um, the culture behind the scenes and making sure that we have the right environment in and around the club and, and that that can be kind of the basis of of success moving forward. But he hasn't done so much, Mikel Arteta, that the Real Madrids and the Barcelonas and, you know, Europe's biggest and most attractive propositions would be looking at him now and saying, shit, that's our guy. We've got to go and get him. Yes, he won an FA Cup. Um, and, and we produced two really positive performances in the semi-final and the final. Um, Aubameyang at the forefront of that, Aubameyang at the centre of that. And everybody kind of came away from that FA Cup campaign, didn't they? Saying, well, you know what? Arsenal look a much more organised outfit. They look much more solid defensively. They look like they can actually put together a game plan and they can actually go out on a pitch and execute it against sides that are... Uh, you know, seen to be stronger than them. But then his first full season was largely disappointing. You know, another eighth place finish. Um, you know, we had, uh, you know, a poor run in the FA Cup. We went out to Southampton, if you remember. We we didn't, basically, we didn't pull up any trees in his first season. So the season that followed on from uh, the half a season during which he won the FA Cup. And we crashed out of the Europa League at the semi-final stage against a Villarreal side managed by Unai Emery that we really should have beaten. So the point I'm trying to make here is that Mikel Arteta is not so good and hasn't proved himself so much at this point that there's going to be a number of big elite football clubs queuing up, uh, waiting to kind of just pick him off from the Arsenal. So I don't think Mikel Arteta 
is in a position to reject an Arsenal contract. I don't think he wants to reject an Arsenal contract. I think that he would have known full well what a big job this was when it came when he came in. I think maybe he underestimated it a little bit because of some of the challenges that he's had to face along the way. But I think for the most part, he knew that it was a big job and a job that was going to need time um, and he was going to need support. And he's had those things. He's had more time than most people would have given him. He's had more time than the fan base in general would have given him. He's had more financial support than anybody thought he was going to get, not just in terms of buying players, but in terms of making players go, terminating people's contracts, having to make huge financial layouts in order to facilitate those moves away. He will feel like at Arsenal, he is in the right place to succeed and in the right place to make his name as a manager. So this idea of Mikel Arteta wanting to leave Arsenal Football Club at this stage in his career is one I just simply can't get my head around. Mikel Arteta, I believe, is happy at Arsenal. I believe, and again, this is just my opinion, and this is just based on some bits and pieces that I've heard, but again, not claiming to be ITK. I believe that Mikel Arteta is very happy at Arsenal and has verbally agreed to stay at the club beyond his current contract. I think that we're going to have to wait till the end of the season for an announcement. We're going to have to wait till the end of the season before anything like that becomes official. But I do believe that Mikel Arteta will remain the Arsenal boss beyond his current contract. So if I believe that, I can't believe that Edu is out there trying to talk the current Brazil boss into coming and joining the club as soon as after the Qatar World Cup. The other thing is that, as I said a little bit earlier on, it contradicts the approach that the Cronkies have shown to be taking. You know, the Cronkies have, over recent years, they've applied a very similar model in a lot of their franchises. Go and get a young, up-and-coming, promising coach and look to rebuild from the ground up. That's been their model. And that is the model that they've applied at Arsenal. So why would you then abandon that model and go and get somebody like Tite in, uh, the Brazil boss, who I'm not a massive fan of either. You know, it's not personal. Obviously, I like Mikel Arteta. I like the job that Mikel Arteta is doing. And so naturally, I'm going to become a bit defensive when people start throwing other names into the mix. But he's not a name that I would consider. If we were going to move Mikel Arteta on, or if Mikel Arteta was going to move on, uh, out of his own choice and off his own back, we'd have to go out there and get somebody that could come in and pick up where he left off, can pick up this young, talented group of players, add maybe a bit more experience and a bit more tactical nous to the equation and take Arsenal to the next level. We don't want to be going backwards. I'm not saying that Tite is a bad manager or a bad coach, but he's not the guy to take this project forward, in my personal opinion. I'd have never even considered him Um in my kind of list of people that I'd have been happy to see take over. So for me, this is just a completely wild story. Um, it contradicts the approach, as I say, that the club has seen to be taking. He's a manager who I don't believe has any aspirations. No, maybe doesn't. Maybe I've put that wrong. I'm not going to say that he doesn't have any aspirations, but I don't think anybody from the Premier League is looking at him and saying, God, this is a guy at 60 years old that we need to bring over to the Premier League. So, I just, I just think this is a wild story. I really, really do. And because I've seen it so much today and because I've seen so many people um, sort of jumping on it and making a big thing out of it, I felt it was necessary to jump on and do an episode to kind of, uh, kind of reassure people in some way 
that this story is a load of nonsense. And I don't normally do this. I wouldn't normally uh, grab a story put out by somebody else, uh, somebody who works in the, the media industry and absolutely hammer them for it, because I think that's unfair. I think as a journalist, a lot of the time, you're only as good as the information that you've been given. Sometimes that information will be accurate. At other times, it won't be. I think sometimes journalists do take a bit of a punt and a bit of a gamble with certain stories and say, well, I'm not 100% about this one, but because there's some uh, credibility to it and because I trust the source from which I got it, I'm going to throw it out there anyway, because if it's wrong, it will be forgotten about pretty damn soon. But if it's right, it could make my career. So I think for me that this is a little bit of a gamble being taken by Eric Farrier, um, not wishing to dig him out, not wishing to have a go at him. But having said that, I still believe that this is the wildest story I've heard all season. It, it really is. It's mad. Um, I just don't see how it has any credibility. I just don't see how there could possibly be any truth to this, any truth to the fact that he's supposedly coming in to replace Mikel Arteta. If you're telling me, as I said right at the top of the programme, that he's coming in to help behind the scenes, that he's coming in to help Arsenal tap into that South American and in particular the Brazilian market, I would say that that is a possibility. We know he's worked with Edu before. We know they've got a pretty strong uh, relationship and strong bond. If that's the case, okay, I'm cool with that. But don't go around telling everybody um, that he's he's coming in as, as a manager. And listen, to be fair to Eric Faria, who's the original source of this, he didn't specify what role it would be uh, that Tite would be interested in or coming in to do. But some of the outlets that have then taken this on and blown it up and given it the coverage and the the kind of um the uh the kind of weight that it now has they've been very quick to jump on the whole he's coming in to replace Arteta like they've assumed that because this guy is currently working in a managerial position that if he was to come to Arsenal it could only be in that capacity but I think and and I don't think that any of it's true for the record but I think if it if there is a tiny bit of truth to this and there is some conversation ongoing and there is some intention from, from Edu to get this guy into the club, then maybe it's in a different role. It has to be in a different role. I can't think of how he come a way of him coming in as manager. It just feels to me uh, absolutely nuts. So I wouldn't stress about this one. I wouldn't worry about this one. It feels like, you know, we talk a lot, don't we, about during the transfer window, we talk a lot about stories coming out uh, to try and fill gaps. And this story of Tite, where's a nice shirt in this picture, to be fair to him, uh, is coming in to uh, take over the manager's position at Arsenal after Mikel Arteta departs. That is just, for me, absolutely wild and absolute nonsense. But as I say, maybe if we're going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, and I'm talking about the reporter that is Eric Faria, maybe it is... Uh, with the idea of him coming in as a consultant or in some other role behind the scenes. But yeah, just um, just people need to chill out on this one. Look, I think, as I've said before, when we um, when we get into these international breaks and we get into these interlulls, as some people call them, we do end up picking up a, a few stories along the way when we're reviewing uh, what's being said and what's being uh, written about our club. We do pick up a lot of these stray stories that you feel are somebody really reaching uh, just to kind of fill a void. And, and somebody's maybe, as I said earlier on today, 
listened to an interview, taken something away from it, tried to, um, you know, read between the lines, tried to make a bit of a prediction, hoping that it might come true and hoping that they'll then get the credibility that comes off the back of that. But it just, for me, um, yeah, it's, it's just nonsense. I wouldn't stress about it. Not for a second. Okay, let's get some of your thoughts in the chat about this particular story and anything else. You know, we've got another, what, 15, 20 minutes of the show left. So any thoughts, any questions, anything you want to discuss, uh, drop them in there. Uh, drop your questions in there. I beg your pardon. And I'll pick up as many of those as I possibly can uh, between now and the end of the show. I just want to make it clear that it's not my story. Bo has accused me of... Uh, trying to destabilize our management structure. And he says, it's not too bright at this stage, is it? I wasn't the one that wrote the story. And believe me, this story has got much more coverage than it would ever get on my little old YouTube channel and podcast. So um, it's it's not me <laughs> who's put this out there. Uh, Harvey says, why is it always us that's been targeted by this stuff? It does feel like, you know, the, the, the aim and the goal of a lot of kind of the media is when somebody's doing well, how can we chop them down? How can we cut their legs off from underneath them and, and put them in a position of uh, of instability? And how can we create a speculation and a, a mood that might not be uh, positive for them? How can we create that kind of whirlwind of, um, of coverage? Look, Arsenal, I think we're in a really good place mentally at the moment. I think that the management have done a really, really good job of building that kind of um, that culture and, and being able to block out a lot of the noise. If the noise was a problem for Mikel Arteta in particular, um, then, you know, he would have gone a long, long time ago. He wouldn't have been able to bounce back. He wouldn't have been able to trust in his instincts, keep his head down, keep focused on the job in hand and get to the point where he is now, uh, where we're, we're on the right track. Um, what else uh, have we got? <laughs> Steve Stone. I love this bit of sarcasm here from Steve. He says, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already, if truth be told, especially with Aubameyang scoring a couple last week and all. Out with him, I say. <laughs> love that. Um, Mikel Arteta, apparently. Uh, it's obviously not Mikel Arteta, but he comes in and pretends he's Mikel Arteta, makes a few comments. It's quite funny. If anything, Edu needs to go when you start looking at behind the scene results and his only contacts being in Brazil. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Walter does says, if you think logically about it, being linked to a Brazilian manager makes sense in two ways. Firstly, Edu being at our club and secondly, the system we play. Yeah, look, I mean, you have a, a, a Brazilian technical director. You'd expect that there is going to be more Brazilian connections than there would be if you didn't have a Brazilian technical director because technical directors, directors of football, whatever you want to call them, scouts, they tend to focus on the markets that they know best. Uh, that's how they feel they'll get the best results. And so, you know, when you look at, at, at this story, and, and I probably should have touched on this a little bit earlier on, there is a lot of uncertainty around the Brazilian manager's future, Tite's future, will he continue after the Qatar World Cup? You link him with the fact that his contract or his time is due to or expected to be up around about the same time as Mikel Arteta's contract runs out. And then you think about the fact that he's got a previous relationship with Edu Gaspar. That's where this has come from, right? But it, it, it just it still feels a million miles off of the mark to me. I mean, it's not often really, is it, that we see Brazilian coaches 
um, kind of going big in, in the European game. I, I don't think, you know, I think about, you know, ones in the past, Luis Felipe Scolari, can anybody name any more who came to Europe and, and did really, really well? I didn't think Scolari did all that well. Um, no, well, was Scolari Portuguese? I think he was, he managed Brazil. Um, but was he, have a look. Uh, no, he was Brazilian. Yeah, yeah, he was Brazilian. But he managed, didn't he? Um, the Portuguese national team as well. Yeah, that's right. Got that the wrong way around. So, yeah, Scolari, you know, manager of of uh, Brazil, Portugal, Chelsea. Other than Chelsea, though, didn't do anything else in Europe. So, yeah, it's 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 not common. We don't really see that many Brazilian coaches coming in, uh, I don't think, and, and having a real big impact. Uh, Chris has called it rubbish. Uh, Paul says this is a sort of story to uh, fairy tale, I beg your pardon, that Fischer normally print about Arsenal. Yeah, you're right. Um Paul also goes on to say at the fact that the stream started a few minutes later than advertised that it's a Bamiyang level timekeeping. It's not me. I always set the stream at five minutes before I'm going to go live uh, just so that it gives you guys all uh, a notification within good time. Uh, Olivier says that he could be coming in as a head scout for South America. That would make more sense. Um, Crypto FPL says, this is shocking. I can't believe Seymour. I don't know who Seymour is. I'm assuming you're trying to take the piss out of my name. Uh, fell for this trash. I didn't fall for it because I literally came on to <laughs> blast the story apart, uh, You, as you'll see from the title. Um, what else have, have we got? Uh, some bloke says a Brazilian recruitment consultant would be the only role I'd accept. Titus says Tite and his dinosaur football would stink out the place. Um what else have we got? Uh, Zephyr Sanity says, kick Edu out if he wants Tite over Arteta. Um, Sia says, Harry, these are the news. This news is meant to do exactly this. Start doubting Arteta so we can destabilise the club like we always do in this fan base. Yeah, but it only works, doesn't it, Sia, if if there are doubts over the manager. And, and, and I'd say had this report come out at the start of the season or in the summer going into this campaign, then maybe people would have been destabilised by it. Maybe had it come out three games into this season, people would have looked at it and gone, oh, you know what, maybe we should have a look at this guy. But I think now we're all in a good place. I think even the the negative Nellies, whatever you want to call them, even people that I know that have been really anti-Mikel Arteta throughout his managerial tenure are in a place now where they're quite content with where we are and what we're doing. So, I don't think it would destabilise us. I don't think it can destabilise us as long as we're going well. I think these stories that can often be designed to destabilise football teams and football clubs and, um, you know, they don't have much effect if all is well at the club. It's only when there's problems that those kind of rumours and stories start to seep in within the cracks and then you start having a problem as the whole thing rots from the inside. Um, Olivier says the only club we could lose Arteta to is Madrid. Xavi versus Arteta. The Spanish league would love that. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Zeus says Arteta will stay as long as the board backs him financially. Uh, Akene says, Harry, is this the lack of topic during the international break that you are creating a story that doesn't exist? How many times have I got to say that I didn't create the story? How many times... Have I got to quote the original source for this story? It's been reported 
on all the big websites, all the big football outlets have picked up on this comment, on this quote from Eric Furrier of TV Globo and reported it. Yet people in this chat think that I created it. I've got better things to do than sit and make up stories, mate. Um, uh, but I wanted to come on here and dispel this story because I think it is a load of nonsense, as I said, right at the top of the show. Um, Matt G says, I'm surprised we haven't been linked with Roberto Mancini. Listen, I'm a big fan of Roberto Mancini. I really am. If I was Manchester United right now, I would interview him. I'm not saying I'd definitely give him the job, but I'd interview him um, at least. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd definitely... Um, have a chat with him and I definitely try and gauge where he's at because obviously after Italy's big disappointment last night, Italy's elimination from the World Cup at the playoff stage, his future is unclear. He, he even said that himself. He said he doesn't know. You know, he's going to think about it. He's going, And he's a top, top manager. There's no question about that. He's guided Italy to the European Championships. He won a Premier League with Manchester City, done brilliant things as a coach in Italy as well. I think he's a really, really good manager. Um, someone I'd think about if we were to lose Mikel Arteta, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Michael Constantinou says, what's going on with your T-shirt, Harry? Are you wearing it inside out? No. Look, why is it inside out? It's one of those logos that is like just the outline. It's not inside out. <laughs> There's a lot of... Um, <laughs> this is a very different comment section to what we normally get, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, Harvey says, uh, what teams will we have to compete with to sign Darwin Nunez, do you think, Harry? Um, hopefully not many. We're hearing that West Ham are interested in going back in for him. If West Ham are a club that we're going to have to compete with, I, I, I'd feel quite comfortable about that. I think that we can compete with them. I think that we have the upper hand over them financially, reputationally. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, if West Ham are the only ones interested, then great, happy days. But I think there will be interest from some of the Spanish clubs as well. Remember, prior to his time at Benfica, Darwin Nunez spent some time in Spain. Um, and so, although, you know, he wasn't amazing and it's why uh, none of the big boys picked him up at that point, he does have experience of playing in the Spanish game. And I think that given his progression over the last couple of seasons, I think there will be some of those clubs looking at him. Remember, it's, you know, well, I think one of the clubs that could be interested are Sevilla. Because I think he fits with what they um, they look for in a centre forward. I really do. I think he's a player that they could be uh, circling. When you talk about Real Madrid and Barcelona, if we're sticking to the theme of Spanish clubs, we read this morning and we're hearing that, you know, or we've known for a while that Real Madrid has set on Kylian Mbappe. They'll do anything it takes to get him to the club. We heard that Barcelona are being linked with Robert Lewandowski. So I think those teams have set their sights higher. I think those two teams are desperate to kind of regain their status as the European heavyweights and they'll make transfers for the here and now as opposed to looking for a more long-term approach in the way that Arsenal are. Look, Darwin Nunez can offer us a lot now and today, but he would be the type of signing that we've seen Arsenal make over the last year or so, which is a signing who, yes, improves us now, but he's being signed more so, I think, for what they can bring to us later down the line. Uh, what else have we got uh, in the chat box? At Mafia Boss says, Arteta ain't going nowhere, Harry. I don't think he is. Um, uh, this is a good point. Uh, read the title of the video. I literally titled 
um, this is the wildest claim of the season. And I've got people telling me that I made the story up. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Matt, he says, um, Harry, you work for Arsenal. Can't you just ask Eddie if this is true? You're right. Uh, you're right. Uh, what else have we got uh, in the chat? Uh, do, 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 do. Let's keep scrolling through. Big hello to Terence Tibbs. Haven't seen you for a few days, mate. Hope you're well. Um, here we go. Let's take this one from uh, Stan the Man. Hope you're good, man. He says, uh, Harry, thoughts on the links to Paul Pogba? I really rate Paul Pogba. Always have, always will. I think he's incredibly talented. I think he came into Manchester United with such high expect, or there were such high expectations around him that he could never have won. Um, I think he has been a little bit below par in some of his performances. I think um, that's that's undeniable. What I mean is that I don't think he's been worth all the time the money that Manchester United paid for him. But at the end of the day, I think Paul Pogba does get a rough ride. I think he gets a hard time. I mean, I was listening to um, a, a podcast earlier on today, uh, another one of the 90 min shows in which Rob Blanchett, who's a big Man United fan, journalist, uh, reporter, highlighted, and quite rightly so, the difference in the response to Paul Pogba talking about his mental health struggles in comparison to some of the other players who have done it of late. Other players have come out and talked about it and they've got the, oh, you know, that's so brave and well done for speaking out. And, you know, you're, you're doing a great thing and you're encouraging other people who are going through similar issues to come out and speak their minds and tell their stories as well. Yet with Paul Pogba, there was none of that. It was very much like, oh, OK, like just move on. But when there's a negative around Paul Pogba, everybody's really quick to jump on it. In terms of football inability alone, I think that Paul Pogba is brilliant. I really do. But unfortunately for him, he's been playing in a really average midfield for Manchester United. I mean, prior to Bruno Fernandes' arrival, um, he was playing with McTominay and Fred. Like that was his, that was what he was relying on to provide him that base and that structure from which he could then go on and play and influence games. And then Bruno Fernandes came in, who's been good, of course, but Bruno Fernandes wants to play in a lot of the same spaces that Paul Pogba does. And so it hinders him a little bit. So I just think it hasn't worked out for Paul Pogba at Man United. I don't think he's going to stay there uh, beyond the end of the season. I know some United fans are still hopeful that he's going to sign a new contract. I don't think that would be the case. I think he'll move on and good luck to him. Um, but I like him. I just I just don't see him ending up at Arsenal, though, um, Stan, in answer to your question. I, I don't see there being much in that. I think his wages would be crazy. I think that it would uh, destabilise the structure that we've got in place at the moment with regards to the, the way we're recruiting. Um, I know that Edu said that he wanted to bring in players, didn't he, of a world-class quality and capability that can help this team now. He said that at the start of the season. That was kind of the next phase of the rebuild. Paul Pogba, though, I'm not sure is the answer. I, I wouldn't take... Well, no. I would consider taking him if the conditions were right, but I don't think that there is a world in which those conditions can be right. Mino Raiola is his agent, his representative, and I think that will put Arsenal off uh, as well as a number of other things. What else have we got? Um, Yakut says, uh, can you briefly go over your issues with Jonathan David? I know you've mentioned it a few times but I've never caught it on the podcast. So I guess in a nutshell, I'm just worried that Jonathan David 
might not be able to translate the outputs that he's showing in the French league into Premier League form. I think over the years, we've seen a lot of players come from various different leagues, the French league being one of them, where you looked at them in that, that environment and they looked brilliant. And then they came to the Premier League and they just couldn't cut it. We've had a few of them at Arsenal. So I'm a little bit worried about him being able to translate his current form into Premier League form. I'm not sure that he is... How do I put this without pissing off Moss, one of our members? I'm not sure that his game is sophisticated enough in terms of not just scoring goals. I think his stats tell you that he's a good goal scorer. I don't think there's any question about that. But I'm not sure his game is sophisticated enough to ensure that we continue to get the maximum out of the players around the striker, the Sackers, the Smith Rose, the Martinelli's, the Odegaards, in the way that we currently do out of Lacazette. I think with Lacazette, we get all that build up. We get the sophistication in his movement, in the way he drops deep, in the way that he reads and understands where his teammates are going to be and can quite often pick them out and help, you know, facilitate moves. But we don't get the goals. In Jonathan David, I feel like we'd get the goals, but I don't think we'd get enough of the other bit. And I think that there needs to be a balance found because, yes, bringing in a striker who scores more goals would be to the benefit of Arsenal Football Club. But in an ideal world, we want someone who is going to add more goals, but is also going to continue to facilitate some of the bright attacking play that we see from some of the players around him. And I'm just not sure that Jonathan David is that guy. I think he could be a good option, but not the option, if that makes sense. If you're going to go and sign another striker along with Jonathan David, I'd happily take him at the club. But, um, you know, not for me. Um, he's just not the one. Look, and also, you've got to think about what it's going to cost. When you, you take all of that into consideration, I'm just not sure that he's the answer and he's the one that we should be going for. For those reasons I've explained, can he translate that form into the Premier League? Um, is his all-round game sophisticated enough to continue to complement the players? Uh, in the wide areas and the player just in behind uh, in Martin Odegaard. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, real one, uh, going back to the Tite link, do you think that Arteta and Edu are loggerheads? Just curious. No, I don't think so. I think their relationship is very strong. I'm sure they don't agree on every single thing. Um, you know, that's that's just, that's life. You know, you're, not, you're rarely going to find somebody whose thoughts are completely aligned with yours on every single subject on every single topic. But I don't think there's anything to suggest that they're not getting on. I don't think there's anything to suggest that Mikel Arteta is not getting what he wants out of Edu and that Edu's not getting what he wants out of Mikel Arteta. So, um, yeah, I, I think that the relationship there and, and the bond is, is pretty strong. They, as I say, they might not always agree, but I think there's a mutual respect there. And I think that's really, really important. Okay. Um, I think we're going to leave it there because it's Friday night. Yes. Uh, going to chill out, going to relax. As I say, the last weekend before uh, the madness of the Premier League uh, returns and we turn our attentions back to actual action. And we don't have to uh, come on to podcasts and create podcasts and make episodes just to dispel uh, stupid rumours like the one that Tite, the Brazilian boss, I know I'm not saying his name right before somebody pulls me up in the comments, is being linked to uh, as a replacement for Mikel Arteta after uh, the uh, the Qatar World Cup. Well, yeah, let's let's get that one in the bin. 
So you might see this as a wasted episode, but I felt it was an episode that needed to be made. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, Terence Tibbs trying it on. Nice one. Nice one. Um, not going to fall for it, though. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm going to catch you all a little bit later on. Until next time, take care of yourselves. All the best. Goodbye.